0: During the Christmas season, when I was growing up, my family had a ton of Christmas traditions. I was always excited for the Christmas season because of some of those traditions. Uh, so last year, I, I'm thinking, I'm going to make some traditions for my family. We're, we're out shopping for Christmas decorations, and I find this Christmas puzzle. Now, I'm thinking, man, it would be great if, if maybe we start doing a puzzle every single year for Christmas. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I thought I was going to would pick out a puzzle that wouldn't be too easy, right? I, I wanted it to take some time, maybe a few days of us enjoying putting it together as a family. So I, I grabbed the puzzle, purchased it. We got home that evening, made some hot cocoa. We gathered around our kitchen table. I got out the puzzle. I opened it up and I poured the pieces onto the kitchen table, and we all just stared in disbelief. There's more pieces than I've ever seen in my life. And I start picking up the, the tiny pieces. And you almost need a tweezer to pick it up. Looking at the picture, looking at the boxes. Is this even the same puzzle? It doesn't even look the same. It, it was overwhelming. It was a, a mess. But we were determined to do it. So we put that puzzle box right in the middle of the table where everyone could see it. My, my son, David, and my wife and I, we, we, we sat down to put it together. Our, our youngest son, JJ, just kind of ran around doing his thing. But we started flipping all of those pieces over so that we could see the picture on the right side. And we started to try and arrange them, the different colors, the different shapes, hoping that uh, we would find these pieces that would... Fit together, and there were so many times where I found two pieces I thought they were going to fit. Then I tried to put them together, and they did not fit. It was so tempting to apply pressure and just force them to fit, but then they'd just be broken, and eventually that that picture is going to look distorted. Eventually, we're not making much progress on this puzzle. Uh, my son David, he he stands up, he takes his hot cocoa, takes a sip, and says, "Well, I'm out." <laughs> He goes to the living room and starts watching some TV. Um, We were determined to to make this puzzle work though. Yeah, I'll take that as an amen. Um, My wife, she's like a puzzle master. So I just started to listen to all of her directions, listening to her tell me what to do. And eventually I found two pieces. I I hoped that they were gonna fit. And then eventually I, I pressed the other one into the piece and there was this click. That click, it was so satisfying. And the, the pieces began to fit together one by one. Though it took time, the, the image, it began to form. Have you ever felt puzzled in life? Almost like life is this, just this scattered mess of pieces that we're trying to fit together. We all want to create something beautiful in life, right? Doing our best to try and make all of the pieces fit together. Trying to make this big picture that we've envisioned for our future, for our life. But sometimes the pieces, they just don't seem to click, do they? Sometimes life can just look like an overwhelming mess full of holes. All these separations, all these disconnections. Holes everywhere. It's tempting to to give into the pressure and try to force things to work together. But that just makes us frustrated. It makes things broken and distorted in our lives. It's, it's also tempting just to say, well, I'm out. Run away from the problem, but then nothing gets fixed. So here's the question. Have you ever been overwhelmed by life, feeling the pressure to make things click perfectly together, making you feel like you just want to run? If only we had a, a big puzzle box for life that we could look at so we could see the big picture, the whole picture, so we could see exactly why some pieces in life are shaped the way they are and and where exactly they're going to fit. Allowing us to see the purpose of some of of the things that we experience in life, the good pieces, the bad pieces, the happy pieces, the sad pieces, but obviously there is no such puzzle box in life, so, so what do we look to instead? Uh, what can we do when we feel overwhelmed by the mess of life, uh, the pressure of, of wanting to make everything click and the temptation to just want to run away? In the Christmas story, we find a man who is met with overwhelming amount of pressure that makes him just want to run away. This man, his name is Joseph. And the Bible describes Joseph as the husband of Mary. And we often see Joseph as, as, as the seemingly insignificant face in the background of the nativity scene. But Joseph's part in the whole Christmas story, it, it has so much more significance. And truthfully, as we learn about what he went through, we, we can see how he responds to this unexpected puzzle piece he receives in life and and how that can help us with our puzzle pieces in life as well. And Joseph, he was a carpenter. What kind of carpentry? We don't exactly know. Some think he worked with wood. Some think he worked with stone. Some think maybe he was just a a handyman, kind of a a person who could fix things, a craftsman of sorts. Nonetheless, he is depicted as this hardworking man that was able to, to do just about anything living in this little town called Nazareth. And during that time, Nazareth uh, had about 300 people living in it. Jewish people living simplistic, ordinary lives as farmers, tradesmen, builders. Just like every small town, everyone knew each other. It's safe to assume that not much ever changed in Nazareth. And when you were born, you were probably born into your family business. So Joseph's father, he was probably a carpenter as well. Joseph, he probably had a pretty clear picture of what his future was going to look like. A puzzle that was not overwhelming, the pieces that would fit pretty easily. One day, Joseph, he receives another exciting piece to his puzzle. He he became pledged to marry a girl named Mary. and Growing up in the same small town, it's likely Joseph and Mary had, had known each other since they were kids. And according to Jewish tradition, it's likely that they were both a few years apart in age when they became engaged. And from, from what we can tell from scripture, Joseph, he loves Mary. So you have to imagine that he is just excited over the moon about this puzzle piece being added to his life. And can you see him envisioning his future now with Mary added to it? And those puzzle pieces seemed to fit perfectly for Joseph. They they clicked together as he envisioned the rest of his life. A normal, ordinary life in this small town. Joseph, he would work. He would love God. He would love his girl. Maybe one day he would be able to teach his son what he does. Starting to kind of sound like a Hallmark Christmas movie, right? Small town construction worker engaged to his childhood friend. Uh, A nice, happy ending has to be on the horizon. Things were clicking together for Joseph. Things were good. He's excited about his future, thankful for what he has and for what is to come. And sometimes we have that same experience in life, right? Things are going well. Our puzzle, it isn't overwhelming. Uh, It's actually beginning to take shape. We begin to see the beauty in it. Even if it's not complete, we, we see... Pieces fitting and and clicking together. We start to stare at the picture being formed, thinking that we've got a good idea of what our our future holds. And that's precisely what Joseph thinks, but his ordinary life was about to be met with overwhelming pressure. Here's what the Bible says. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that part of the Christmas story we talked about last week, right? The angel of Gabriel comes to Mary and and lets Mary know, hey, you are going to become pregnant. The the, the glory of God will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will impregnate you with the, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of this world. And Mary says, okay, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen as you said, but now Mary has to tell Joseph. I can't even imagine how that conversation went. Hey, Joseph, you, you got to have a seat. I got to tell you something. Uh, I'm pregnant, but, but uh, don't worry. I was not unfaithful. This child that I carry inside me is going to be the Messiah, the son of God. I, I was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. I, I swear. This Hallmark Christmas movie is suddenly turned into the Dr. Phil show. But can you imagine, Joseph, how unbelievable it all sounds? Can you imagine how hurt he is, how confused he is? Maybe thinking, this, this isn't right. This isn't what I expected. This, this, this is not the piece of the puzzle I expected to receive. And this is not what I wanted. He, he's quickly handed this single puzzle piece hard to grasp, oddly shaped. Uh, How in the world is this supposed to fit into what I envisioned for my life? What's the purpose of this? How is this supposed to click? I'm sure we've all been there, right? Things are going good. Things are starting to to take shape or we're starting to see the, the picture of our puzzle. Then all of a sudden we are handed this unexpected puzzle piece And life, just one single piece, and we don't know how to make it fit. We don't know the purpose of it. Divorce, unemployment, financial hardship, broken relationship, the the loss of a loved one. Uh, How in the world is this piece of life supposed to fit into my life? Now I I don't understand it. I don't know how to handle it. Something we experience that, that causes this fear, this confusion to rise up inside of us and we begin to worry about what our future actually looks like. We hold that, that single piece of the puzzle in our hands and, and we just gaze at the, the mess of the other pieces scattered, wondering and worrying how it's all gonna fit together. And here's what Joseph decides to do with that puzzle piece he is handed Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to divorce her quietly. Joseph says, well, I'm out. Joseph, he's a righteous man, though he holds God's commands to a very high standard. So even though he is faced with this mess, even though he is hurt, he wants to do what is right in the eyes of God. He wants to do what is right for Mary because he still loves her. But can you imagine all of the voices that begin to fill Joseph's ears, the, his family, his friends, maybe even his own—all these voices attempting to direct him with what he should do. And Joseph, he, he had a few different options at that point, and how to respond to Mary's um, pregnancy. And at that, at that point, they were um, they were husband and wife. During that time, when you become engaged, you become husband and wife. It's called the betrothal period. You become betrothed to one another. And that lasts about a year. You're considered husband and wife, but you don't live together. You don't, you're don't. you not intimate with one another. Then after that year, uh, you, then you have the wedding ceremony and you become uh, married and you live together and blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> so... Just, <laughs> Oh man! So Joseph, he uh, he thinks through his different options. The different voices in his head telling him what to do. And one option is he could continue to be married to Mary or continue the the engagement. And during that time, if the woman became. Pregnant, even though they weren't supposed to be intimate, they just people just assumed, okay, they, they became intimate. Now, she, now she's pregnant. They just get married even faster. But, but that sounds scary to Joseph, right? That fills him with fear. Well, what are people gonna say? What are people going to think? How are people gonna treat them when, when they see him in that small little town of Nazareth? Uh, a second option would be to take Mary into the center of the town and tell everyone that she was unfaithful, that she's pregnant. The, the baby's not his. Shame her, disgrace her publicly. And then the town would punish her somehow, some way. And Joseph doesn't want to do that. He, he loves Mary. He doesn't want that to happen to her. He doesn't want to disgrace her publicly. So the third option is to divorce her quietly. Since the, the betrothal period is a, is a contract, it's it's uh, formal. It required a certificate of divorce to break. It required two or to three witnesses to, to be there. Joseph, he would sign that divorce certificate. He'd, he'd give it to Mary, and then they would just go their separate ways. That's probably the easiest thing Joseph could do. Probably what was best for Mary, probably maybe what was best for him, he thought in his mind. He wanted to do what was right. But he thought, this is just such a mess. This is not something he planned for, not something he expected. He probably went to bed that night. His mind just flooded with thought, stomach tied up in knots, feeling confused. His heart conflicted with fear. Again, he wants to do what is right, but as he holds this puzzle piece in his hand, he, he does not know where it will fit, what to even attach it to. On March 13th of this past year, I uh, received a perplexing puzzle piece of my own. Uh, my dad emailed me, and he, he attached a letter to that email, and that letter was addressed to the elders of this church, um, informing the elders his plan to step down from his role as the lead pastor of this church, or a role that he, is, he had had for 42 years, Um. I read that letter and immediately my stomach began to be tied into knots. Stress began to bubble and boil throughout my body. My ears began to ring. I called my dad immediately. And uh, many of you know the journey that we've been on with my mom uh, through her Alzheimer's. And I, dad just explained uh, how much how much time he felt my mom had left. And uh, he wants to spend every moment he can with her, supporting her, helping her. So obviously an honorable decision, a decision I told him I will support. Uh, Even though it's scary, I told my dad through bad decisions, through good decisions in my life, you have always supported me, so I will support you. Um. But, but it was hard for me to cope with. Everything was happening all at once. It was like one thing after another. And my dad as the lead pastor. That was a puzzle piece that had been placed in my puzzle all of my life. I didn't know what it would look like without my dad as the lead pastor. And it was like this, this piece was being ripped up, removed from my puzzle, scattering the rest in different places. Handing me a single puzzle piece in return that I had no idea what to do with and the weight of it was just exhausting. I remember when my dad told the staff that his plans to step down from his role. Um, we were gathered in the, the, uh, the fireplace room in the family life center. Or, yeah, and um, I'm sitting in the back thinking, I'm gonna be here for my dad. I'm gonna support him. Uh, immediately when he starts to speak, when he starts to explain things to the staff, my eyes begin to fill with tears. I I try choking them back. I try to be strong. Eventually I just become overwhelmed though. I just become full of pressure and I I just run from that room. I walked out of the room. I I went to the CY check-in booth. I dropped to my knees. I, I buried my face in my arms and I just began to weep. I began to sob. I remember Joel Purdy came out. Uh, I, I felt his arms wrap around me. He began to hold, rub my back as I, as I cried. Or maybe it was an angel. I don't know. He's got very soft hands. <laughs> an angelic odor to him as well. But he, he was there for me, comforting me, helping me just letting me know that he was there. Eventually he goes back into the room. Uh, I get up, I go into the bathroom, I wash my face, tell myself to pull yourself together. Um, Then I I walk back into that room to try and be strong for my dad. But again, everything was just happening so fast. Everything all at once, My, my puzzle being ripped apart. Scattered into a mess of pieces, and there was this voice in my head that just kept saying, Nothing is ever going to be the same again. I wanted to be there for my dad, I wanted to support my mom and him however I could. I wanted to be what this church needed during that transition. I was trying to my best to cope with it all, but I was full of stress, I was exhausted. I'm sure Joseph was exhausted that night. He fell asleep, feeling overwhelmed, feeling pressure, feeling like he just wanted to run, feeling full of fear. Maybe even the sounds of voices from the people that were close to him, those sounds continued to ring in his ear, trying to tell him which direction to take. That night though, Joseph, he would hear a different voice. Here's what the Bible says. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Holy cow, I'm a cry, baby. Um, so often in scripture, when we see angels, the first thing they usually say is, hey, oh, don't be afraid. Everything's okay. They say, don't be afraid, often in reference to themselves, right? Because it's probably pretty terrifying to just have an angel appear before you. But here, this angel speaking to Joseph, delivering a message from God to Joseph. He says, don't be afraid in a different way. He says, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. You see, God, he is getting right to the roots of Joseph's apprehension. It was fear. Fear that Mary was lying, fear of the future, fear of what people would do or say to Mary, fear of the gossip, fear of how people would view him. But now God's voice, it is breaking in, telling Joseph to not fear, do not be afraid. This puzzle piece that you have received, you can take it, you can hold it. What she says, it is true. And this child is going to be the most important child ever born. Don't be afraid. Just trust in me. Here's how Joseph responds. When Joseph woke up, he he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife right away. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph, he follows the direction of the one voice that truly matters, the voice of God. Often in life, when we receive that unexpected puzzle piece, we often react the same way as Joseph. We start to worry. We start thinking through all of these different options. Start listening to the voices surrounding us. We become overwhelmed, full of pressure, ready to run, afraid of what our future is going to look like. We become exhausted. Have you come today exhausted by something you've been experiencing in life, feeling afraid to accept something that life has given you? After my dad stepped down, um, we, we started to make a plan for, uh, what things would look like going forward. He wasn't going to stop preaching. He's, he still felt called to preach, um. And he'd finish out those next few weeks. He'd preach for a few weeks in a row. At that point, I was only preaching once a month. And uh, then after those few weeks, I would preach four weeks in a row. Maybe you remember that. Maybe you left the church during that time. You're like, I can't handle this guy. (laughs) But uh, after those four weeks of preaching in a row, um, dad and I would start this rhythm of an every other week schedule. I'd preach first third and fifth weekends of the month. And he would preach the, the, uh, second and fourth weekend. Whatever you need, I'll do it. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I can do it. Whatever you need. I'm going to support my dad. I'm going to support this church. I love this church. I, I want to help in this transition. I got this outwardly. I was saying no big deal inwardly. I was terrified. In my mind, I kept questioning myself, can I even do this? Can I even be consistently good? Is there someone else that is better than me that could do this? But I kept pushing, I kept writing, I kept preaching, but I was tired. I was exhausted. Everything was just happening so fast. Every time I preached, I brought a passenger with me up onto this stage. I brought fear fear of not living up to expectations, fear of failure, fear of mediocrity, fear of what people would say. Uh, About a month later, I was headed to a conference in Atlanta, a conference that I would go to every single year, a conference that I I love, conference for people who are in ministries, for pastors, uh, student pastors, children's pastors. Um, but I was a ball of stress at that conference that year. I knew that it was going to be a long and tiring week. The, the conference was from Wednesday to a Friday. So I would attend the conferences those few days. And then on Saturday morning, I'd hop on a plane, come back home, and then I would preach that night at church. And then I would preach uh, the services on Sunday as well. And I signed up for that. I, I planned for it. I, I knew it was going to be tiring, but I was thankful for this time to just get away from everything and... Uh, for a time that I could continue to develop and learn things that would maybe help me. And so I remember that first Wednesday, it was a long day of um, teachers and speakers writing things down, uh, taking so many notes, connecting with the other pastors who were sitting at the table with me, discussing with them, I just kept doing, 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 thinking. I I just need to keep doing everything that's expected of me. I need to keep doing everything that I'm supposed to do. I remember that evening after a a full day of of teaching and stuff like that, we were gonna have a worship service in this arena. Thousands of people gathered, thousands of people in ministry and even volunteers and stuff. um, Having this worship service and it was there during that worship service that I was finally able to slow down. My mind was able to rest. I was able to take a breath. As we sang all of the songs, I felt like all of the songs were words that I needed to say to God. All of the songs were connecting with what I needed to say to God. And at one point I just stopped singing. I just listened to the thousands of voices that were were singing. And as I listened to those voices, I, I began to cry. And uh, I began to pray to God, what do you want? I had not asked him that in the whole process of everything that was happening. I just kept doing what I thought I was supposed to do, what I I thought was expected of me. And and in that moment, I began to pray, God, what do you want from me? Because I feel like I'm failing. As I stood there listening to these thousands of voices, lifting lifting up praise to Jesus in the stillness of that moment in the calmness of that moment, I heard God's voice say, clear as day, preach my word. It's preach my word, preach my word, preach my word. That's it. Almost as if Jesus was saying to me, don't be afraid, don't be afraid to accept this puzzle piece. Uh, though it's not going to click right away, don't be afraid, just trust in me. so I whispered back into that crowded stadium of people. I whispered, okay, I will preach your word. Um, the rest of the conference was amazing. God continued to show me <laughs> in little ways uh, that he was in control. He was in charge. I haven't shared this in any of the services, um, but my, I, I, I went He reconnected me with my roommate from college at that conference. I had not seen him for 15 years. I had not talked to him, and now all of a sudden we're connected. He works in a church. He's a campus pastor at a church, and so now all of a sudden I have this person back in my life who knows what I'm going through, but I came home that Saturday morning still holding that piece of the puzzle in my hand, right? God, he did not remove the piece from my hand. I still didn't exactly know how it was going to fit in the puzzle of my life, but that puzzle piece, it was not as heavy as it was before. As I sought God's direction in the whole situation, he began to give me peace. He began to lift the load of that peace. And I preached that church that weekend for the first time in weeks. I, I was not afraid of the future. I, I did not bring fear with me up on this stage. I was just doing what I felt God was calling me to do. And this is probably the most embarrassing part of all of this is I was allowing the voice of fear to lead me rather than the voice of God to lead me. And I realized in order to grow into who God wanted me to become, I had to let go of the fear and I had to listen to his voice and obey and trust And his direction, whose voice has been leading you as you put together your puzzle in life? Is there some form of fear that has been exhausting you, depleting you? That's what happened to Joseph, right? He fell asleep, exhausted from fear, exhausted from all the voices, and then God began to speak. God began to remind him. God whispered over Joseph's soul, "Do not be afraid." It's all going to be worth it. This this child that Mary carries is going to be the savior of this world. Do not focus on this momentary difficulty. No matter what your picture looks like, no matter how heavy this puzzle piece seems to feel, the end result is going to be a child that will save humanity. Joseph, he listens, obeys, and trusts God. Joseph lets go of the fear which enables him to grow into who God wanted him to be, the husband of Mary, the earthly father of Jesus, their provider, their protector. And this life, it will have unexpected difficulties. That's a fact, right? But the voice that we listen to in the midst of those difficulties, the voice we listen to matters. One of our pastors here, Pastor Dave meaning. We we're so great, so lucky to have him here, uh, but he said this, the voice we listen to determines the direction we follow. If we listen to the voice of fear, that fear is going to continue to lead us into more fear. So we have to seek out the voice of God. We have to draw close to him. Sometimes we even hear his voice, but we don't take time to listen to it to notice it. So we have to make time and listen for God's voice. Don't wait until you're exhausted. Seek him out right away. Make a habit of praying every day. Make a habit of reading your Bible every day. Make a habit of being here in worship at church every single week. Get into a small group with people who are seeking God's voice as well. Simply ask God, what do you want? What do you want from me? And then we follow through and obey God's direction. God, he is not going to lead us into more fear. He's going to lead us into peace and which doesn't mean that circumstance is just going to be removed, but God, he will give us what we need to carry that piece of the puzzle. He will give us the strength that we need. And as we obey his direction, we keep living and we trust in God's position Because no matter what we face in this life, we can trust the position that God is in. God, he is seated above all creation, everything on earth, everything in heaven. It all belongs to him. All the glory, all the honor, all the praise, all the power, it is all his. God, he sees the whole picture when we only see just a tiny bit. And truthfully, God, he has given us the most important piece to our puzzle that we could receive Joseph's Hallmark Christmas movie. It took a pretty quick right turn, right? But just like every other Hallmark Christmas movie, there is no surprise ending. They all in the same way. And early in Joseph's story, God, he had already revealed the ending. Jesus, this child will be born to a virgin adopted by a carpenter from the line of King David. And one day that child would grow and he would die for the sake of humanity. And Jesus, he was born that silent night to be the light of the world, providing us with a way out of the darkness to save us from our sins and reuniting us with God. Once again, because of our sin, our souls, they were a mess, riddled with holes, all these disconnections, all these separations disconnected from God because of our sin. So God sent his one and only son so that we would no longer be separated from him. So our our sins could be forgiven. So as Jesus, he died on our behalf so we could be reconnected with God, building this connection back to God, a bridge. So even though this life, it will give us puzzle piece after puzzle piece after puzzle piece, pieces we have no control over and some pieces we do have control over. Pieces that sometimes fit right away. Pieces that sometimes take some time to figure out how we fit them. Sometimes the picture, it looks clear. Sometimes the picture, it looks confusing. But no matter what our picture in life begins to look like, God, he has given us the most important piece he gave us, Jesus And that is a piece of our puzzle that cannot be removed. That's a piece of our puzzle that can never be taken out. Though this life is unpredictable, full of plot twists, full of jump scares, there is no surprise ending. Because of Jesus, we know exactly what is waiting for us when our time on earth here is done. Eternal life with the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. Jesus, he once said to his disciples, in this life, in this life, you will find trouble. That trouble, it's going to come no matter what. In this life, you will receive unexpected puzzle pieces, unexpected things happening in life, things that you think are just so heavy. This life, you will find trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Jesus, he is always near. So when we feel like we need to run, we can run to Jesus. He's ready to help, ready to sustain us, even in our exhaustion. He's ready to give us rest, ready to give us peace. Jesus, he is ready to help us grow into the person that we need to become. So don't be afraid. Here's my cheesy Hallmark Christmas movie tagline. When life gives you fear, always remember Jesus is near. Um, one of my other favorite traditions grow. <laughs> oh my gosh. I told you I'm a cry baby. Uh, one of my favorite Christmas traditions growing up has always been Christmas Eve. Um, spending it with my family. And uh, I don't know why I thought about this last service, but it just kind of overwhelmed me Uh, thinking about how different Christmas Eve will be this year and going forward. And um, it happens in life. We, we, um, experience those changes. But no matter how different Christmas Eve becomes, no matter how different Christmas Day becomes for some of you, nothing will ever change the fact that Jesus Christ was born, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was resurrected from the dead, and now he reigns in glory over all the earth. But there are some people living out in our community, maybe friends that you have, they don't have that that. of the puzzle clicked in place. They don't have Jesus in their life. They don't know the hope that they have. They don't know the the promise of eternity they could have when they believe in Jesus. So we wanna encourage you today to to take one of these pieces of paper that you will be handed today. And Shannon did an incredible job making this. She made even little puzzle pieces to go along with my sermon. But you're gonna think of, of people in your life Maybe pray about it, write their names down and start praying over their names every day. Uh, Start praying maybe to invite them to Christmas Eve service. On the other side, it's all these different challenges that maybe you could do, TikTok reels, uh, Christmas gatherings, the Christmas photo booth, Christmas treats, all this other stuff. And then we have these little Christmas invitations. I love how small they are because uh, it's almost like a puzzle piece. As you give someone this, this invitation to Christmas Eve, it, it's like you're giving them this, this piece of the puzzle that maybe they've been missing. This You're inviting them to a, a relationship with Jesus, to experience Jesus during Christmas Eve. And last thing, if... There's so much more depth to the story of Joseph. Our, our pastor, Walter, who, who writes our study guides each week, he did a great job of writing this study guide, uh, getting deeper into the significance of Joseph. So grab this study guide when you leave and, and read more throughout the week of, of um, Joseph's significance and his um, role in, in the Christmas story. But if you would stand with me now, I'm way over time. I'm going to pray for you. If you've come today needing prayer, Uh, You can come forward during this last song. If you've come today and you would like to be baptized, the water is ready. We will baptize you today. But, But let me pray for you now. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you for your mercy. We are so grateful that you see the whole picture. And so that we, we just pray as we leave today, as those listening online, as they close their laptops, close their phones, whatever, we pray that we will go on with this day, reminding ourselves to not be afraid that no matter what piece of the puzzle this life gives us, that you are ready to give us peace as we hold that in our hands. God, we thank you for Jesus, that he was born for us. That he died for our sins, God. And that can never be taken away. And so we just pray that we would leave today declaring that truth through our lives, declaring that light with whatever darkness we face, that we would face it with the light of Jesus, providing that hope for others in our lives who maybe don't have Jesus clicked into their life right now. And we just pray, God, that they would come to you that they would seek rest at your feet. And it's in Jesus's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.